this one's curious. It's uh, what spirits might I encounter while hiking in the woods? Good question. And so, of course, there I often in fact, it's, it's a curious question because I often compare the the um, what you are surrounded by just by standing in your home, right? Just by being in your home, you're actually in the midst of an entire spiritual ecosystem, right? So already, already, just when you think you're alone in your room, you are absolutely surrounded by spiritual beings. And so it's very much the same as if you went into the woods and you, um, you of course, expect that there's going to be trees and there's going to be um, animals wandering around and there's going to be uh, you know, fungi growing from the ground. There's going to be microbes. There's going to be insects, right? You just expect that there's going to be lots of life around you. And it is exactly the same thing when you're just alone in your room. Now, you can imagine that when you start getting out into the forest, then how much more life is going to be around you, how much more um, more things are going to be there. And, of course, one thing that we'd like to, to break it down into at the center is this idea of spirits of the land. This is something that is certainly out there. There is consciousnesses that are distributed throughout the landscape. They are having their own experience of this reality, and they, of course, are not encumbered by a body. Um, just to back up here for a second, of course, you have the physical world, right? You have the physical world, which is this place of, of time and space. And in this physical world, of course, there is consciousness, but that consciousness is always embodied, right, within a body, just like you, just like you, the listener, right? You're a consciousness, but you're not this consciousness that's existing in this pure state. You are embodied. Now, ju juxtaposed to this world of time and space and bodies, there is the spirit world, and that spirit world is very different. It is this realm of uh, pure consciousness. There is no time and there is no space. And this, of course, makes it very ineffable. It makes it very difficult to comprehend exactly what the spirit world could be like. And frankly, for our primate minds, it is impossible for us to actually truly understand what is going on in the spirit world, what the spirit world is like. There is a huge cognitive gap there. And so that's the thing, right? Oftentimes when we are working with the spirit world through meditation or through channeling or through shamanic trance journeying, often the messages that we receive and the experiences that we're given are a best approximation, right? They're giving us the best that they can, uh, the, 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 uh, it's like when you're talking to a two-year-old, right? And you're giving them the best explanation that they can understand, but it's still a long ways off from being the absolute truth, right? And, and that, of course, is what we get when we work with the spirit world, the best, best approximations of how that world works. But, what we can say for certain is that it is a realm without time and space. That's, that's what we can say. Now, if you take a Venn diagram, right? So a Venn diagram, you have, always have two circles, and then you have the area of overlap. And in that area of overlap, you have uh, 
something that shares qualities of the two circles, right? And so in this particular Venn diagram, you would take the physical world and you put it on, let's say, the left side, and you would take the, the spirit world and you put it on the right, the right circle. And where they overlap, that would be something that we call the liminal realm. Oftentimes, if you listen to a lot of uh, pagan or witches talking about their spiritual practice, you'll hear this idea of crossing the veil or seeing across the veil, right? Second sight is seeing across the veil. What we're talking about there is actually being able to see into that liminal realm. It is something that exists very close by to us. It is, um, it is that mixing ground, that in-between in which the physical is intermingling with the spirit world. And so it is that realm where you have the, the, the um, time and space of the physical realm intermixing with the pure consciousness, consciousness not encumbered by a body. So pure consciousness existing in relation to that time and space. And this, of course, is something that can exist all around us, right? It is, it is everywhere in that it exists just across a shift in perception, really. It exists always just across the veil from us. And so, of course, when you're living in a haunted house, what you find is that you, of course, are living at most times in this physical world, solidly embodied within the physical. But at the same time, at certain times, for instance, when it's three o'clock in the morning and you're in a hypnagogic state or otherwise, you know, uh, you have your consciousness slightly shifted, you can see across that veil into the other side, right? When you have a haunted house, it's not like that ghost goes anywhere during the day or is somewhere else, right? It, it is always in relation to that time and space that is your house but it's on the other side of that veil of perception in that liminal realm in that realm where pure consciousness is interacting with time and space and so what changes is that you sometimes have the ability to see across that veil to the other side and that is something that is very powerful. Now, where do we go from there? So we have this liminal realm, this liminal realm where it's time and space interacting and commingling with pure consciousness. So when we talk about the spirits that are around us, right, these are spirits that are often dwelling within this liminal realm that is all around us. And so there is an entire spiritual ecosystem living within that liminal realm. And, of course, if you've ever delved into any kind of pagan or esoteric or occult literature, you know that that realm is populated by many, many different types of beings, right? So, of course, you have ghosts, right? That's, that's the main one that everybody knows. But then, of course, there are things such as elementals, Right? These are these are beings that take their form from various of the various of the four elements, these these metaphysical energies that help to structure our reality. 
so elementals, but then you also have uh, what have been termed throughout time as um, in various cultures as fairies or the little people. This is consciousness that consciousnesses that are not encumbered by a body and that live and dwell in kind of a lucid dream-like existence within that liminal realm. And so their life is basically pure joy and pleasure, right? Think about this. What would you do if you were able to live a life not encumbered by a body, basically doing whatever you want, living wherever you want, not having to worry about freezing to death or starving to death, and and basically just having this lucid dream-like existence, right? You would seek out very because these are beings who are going to be in the liminal. So they're in relation to time and space. So first off, they're going to seek out places of great natural beauty, right? You would dwell near this awesome waterfall or this t the top of a tall mountain or in this like giant ancient tree, right? So you'd look for places with great beauty, which exactly is what you find in all the old fairy lore. And then, of course, you're also going to... Um, just engage in this pleasurable, fun-loving existence, living within this world. And frankly, from the, the practical experience that myself and my partner Laova have had over the years, as well as the, the many channeling sessions that we've done, uh, my partner Laova, she's a very uh, incredibly talented shamanic practitioner, as well as a very uh, talented uh, trance channel. And, you know, what we get from these types of consciousnesses is that their life is just joy. They have fun. Um, yes, they are, there are some things that they do for the local environment. So, for instance, they will help the leaves grow in the spring and, and all this. They will give energy to any being that needs it. They, they have that kind of caretaker role if they so choose. Uh, but at the same time, you get the sense that they, it's, life is, is constant play constantly being in communion with nature and enjoying their reality. And so they are, um, you know, during the winter in a channeling session, I asked, you know, what do you do in the winter? It's kind of boring out there, right? And it's like, no, no, we, uh, we go under the water and we look at the fish, you know, we look, go under the ice and look at the fish. Um, and we, you know, dance in the treetops, uh, jumping from branch to branch, right? This is what consciousness would do if it's living this lucid dream-like existence in relation to a particular time and a particular place and particular matter. So this is, of course, something that you certainly find when you start digging into this. Um, and then, so, okay, let's see. So this is answering the question of what spirits might I encounter while hiking in the woods? So absolutely, you might have elementals, for instance, living in relationship to and in relation to um, streams and lakes and all that. So water elementals and this these are beings who dwell within a particular element, who have that resonance with a particular element. So you might yeah, that's something that would be around. Then, of course, what we what we tend to call spirits of the land, but um, you know, includes such things as as the fairies, right? The little people who you find in, of course, you find in in lore from across the world, right? It's something very ever present because people are continuously encountering these consciousnesses embodied within the landscape. 
Another thing that you might encounter is um, is what we call a, a genius loci. And this was something that was very big for the ancient Romans. In fact, uh, genius loci, it's Latin for spirit of place. And the Romans took this very seriously. They would have um, altars within the house that were dedicated to the local genius loci. And what this being is, is it's the caretaker spirit for a particular area. Um, it is a spirit that is signed on to be protector and watchdog and guardian of a particular uh, geographical area. That could be a forest, that could be a marsh, that could be a field, right? It's some type of, of land area or water area that has a predefined limit. And um, this is a, a spirit who has taken on that role for some time. It could be a spirit of the land. It could be an elemental. It could even be an ancestor or a ghost. It could be many different things. And uh, this is a incredibly wonderful type of spirit to work with when you're engaging in any kind of uh, spiritual practice where you're connecting with these spirits. They care very much. They care. They, they protect the beings who are on that plot of land and so it just it's they're they're wonderful to work with because they're overlooking they're overseeing you they're keeping you safe they're protecting you and because of that they have a very a nice um, personality now of course one thing that you'll absolutely find is that if you ever connect with the genius loci of a place like new york city or chicago you will absolutely find a very depressing state in that the genius loci in a lot of these big cities, they are very drained and overworked and frankly exhausted. And when we have students who, uh, especially in our shamanic apprenticeship program, who uh, early on they they go and meet with the local genius loci. When we have students who you know aren't living out in the country but living in the city and go do this, they're often bummed out for a day or two because they they realize the impact that that humanity is having on these places. And you know you have a spirit there who has been watching over this land since it was this field 500 years ago, right? And now suddenly it's it's something very different, and it can be very exhausting for these beings. So that is absolutely a type of spirit that you can encounter in the forest. Then, of course, you know, as with humans, animals will have ghosts as well. So that is something also that's out there. And one thing that I have found through my practice and that my partner Lauva and I have found is that um, animism is very much how this reality is working, right? Animism is this idea that everything has consciousness in it, that to exist, to have a presence in this material world is to have some kind of consciousness attached to you. And, of course, there will be different levels of consciousness depending on the complexity of the organism. That's just to be uh, expected. But... You know, to be conscious means that there is something that it is like to be that thing, right? You, the, the listener, you, there is something that it is like to be you. And therefore, you know, 
you are conscious, right? There's that subjective experience of reality going on. And of course, we are humans. We have these remarkably complex brains that have all these quantum interactions going on and everything. We have very complex consciousness going on. But at the same time, you know, the rock outside, the, the plants, the trees, the grasses, the mountain, these are all complex systems of matter that have consciousness attached to it. And I can absolutely tell you that if you start getting into things like shamanic journeying and, and other types of meditative practices where you're reaching out to and connecting with these beings through things such as heart-based communication, you can absolutely interact with them. You can absolutely learn from them and carry on a conversation. You're not going to carry on a human conversation, a conversation with words and, and kind of human thoughts, right? That is something that is very much us, right? They're not going to communicate in words. What they will communicate in is what we call heart-based communication. It is when you're reaching out and connecting with feeling, that deep intuitive feeling deep within your soul, deep within your heart that gives you that sense of connection and gives you that sense of deep knowing, even though you don't know where it's coming from. That is how you can connect with any kind of consciousness out there, whether it's a rock or a pine cone or a tree or, uh, you know, even, um, or even animal telepathy there in that you can always connect with the heart. These beings, if, you, if you're talking, they're not going to have any idea what you're saying, right? They, have, they, they don't get English, right? But even when you're talking to them, if you're talking, let's say, to a plant, there have been studies that show that talking to your plants helps them grow. Well, they're not understanding the words. They're not understanding the words that you're saying. But if you're talking to them in a very compassionate and caring way, they are going to pick up on that. They're gonna, you, you are structuring the energies that you're putting out through your choice of words, right? That is kind of like the guidance system. You are, are structuring your heart energy by the words that you're selecting, but then that heart energy is going out, and that's what's being picked up by these beings, such as a houseplant. And that, of course, is what can lead to, to beneficial results uh, in growth. So came back to the question at hand, um, animism. Absolutely, there is consciousness in all things. And, and so when you are out in the woods, you can encounter consciousness in complex things, such as the mountain. The mountain itself has a consciousness to it. The river has a consciousness to it. These are spirits that you can certainly interact with. Now, I think something that's very important is that when you enter into the woods, when you enter into any national park, let's say, you are entering into someone else's home, right? And it is its own particular spiritual ecosystem. And so I always advise my students, look, when you go to a park, when you go camping, when you go hiking, just take a baggie of, of seeds, you know, take some seeds, take some nuts, and just give an offering. Just say, hello, all the spirits of the land who live in this area, you know, I like to come in uh, into the pro into the area to to go for a hike. Um, you know, I give you my love and my reverence. I deeply respect you. Uh, 
And, you know, please enjoy this offering of seeds and nuts. And they will absolutely come and they will absolutely remove and, and absorb the spiritual energies, the life force energy from those seeds and nuts. And then the animals, of course, can come and, and finish it off. And this is a powerful way to create friends, right? Wherever you go in this world, especially if you're hiking, you want to have friends in the local area. And if you can make friends with the local spirits, that is a very, very powerful thing to do. So that that's what I would advise to anyone who is... Um, going out into the woods, you know, make friends with the local spiritual ecosystem. And then, of course, then, of course, we're, we've only been talking about the nice stuff, right? But anywhere where you go, there can certainly be um, more parasitic creatures, right? It is a spiritual ecosystem. And so just as you have squirrels and deer, you know, very nice animals that won't mess with you, uh, you'll also tend to have beings who are more predatory or parasitic right and so you know don't don't put this off you know don't put don't allow this to make it so that you never go out in the woods again but uh, you know when you go into the woods you expect to encounter mosquitoes you expect to encounter leeches if you put your foot in a lake or in a, in a marsh and uh, there's nothing necessarily bad about these beings right these beings are, are simply existing and, uh, you know, a leech. A leech just wants to um, get some of your blood so we can go make little baby leeches. Same with uh, a mosquito. It just wants to make little baby mosquitoes after it gets your blood. And so these beings aren't evil, right? They're just part of that spiritual ecosystem that's out there. And, you know, when you are within that ecosystem, absolutely it can seem like these things are evil i mean let's face it the lion is the devil to the gazelle right um but we as a human or on looking that we just see that it is that that's nature right and that the um and that the um lion is is doing its role within that ecosystem same with the gazelle and uh so but there are absolutely parasitic energies out there parasitic entities as well and this is something that it always pays to be aware of anytime that you're heading into the forest so just um you know it even it even pays to be aware of that just when you're heading out into the city when you're heading out to um let's say a local uh antique store for instance right you can pick up uh parasitic entities just from an antique store right um and that can, that can, you know, they can leech your life force. They can make you feel tired. They can make you feel out of it. They can make you feel angry. They, uh, they can definitely have an effect on you. And so it's important, even when you're going through your life in the city, to, to cleanse yourself regularly because these parasitic entities can pick up on you. And so when you are in the forest, it's no change. It's no difference. There are beings out there who are parasitic in that same way and so it's good to cleanse but this is one reason why it's even more important to make friends with the local spirits when you arrive there right because when you're making an offering to the spirits of the land you are 
um, yeah, to the positive spirits of the land, you are making friends in that area and they will be more predisposed to helping you out, right? If they see um, someone who's just random walking through their territory and they see that being harassed by something negative, they, you know, they're not going to really get involved, right? But if you are the one person that day who uh, took the extra effort and put out a little offering, uh, a little gift to the spirits of the land in that area, they are going to help to some degree to watch over you. And so you mix that with cleansing, you're going to be in a much safer and better situation than, uh, than otherwise. So yeah, that's the kind of spirits that you might encounter while hiking in the woods. And, and also some, uh, some things to bear in mind while you are hiking through the woods.